Or if I'm too close, I'll tell you. everyone it is dave and jeff you heard a little bit of that voice already we're excited it's july 16th 2023 uh dave i'll tell you what it's pretty exciting for us because two weeks from tuesday will be august 1st the 25th anniversary of this show which we're incredibly excited about incredibly proud of i was saying before we started we have been very fortunate that a lot of good people from all walks of life have been nice enough to spend time with us I cannot think of anybody that has generated more of an immediate positive response across the board from diehard friends of the show, casual friends of the show, family friends than our guest tonight. In March of 2024, it'll be the 50th anniversary of what was then the KGB chicken, now the famous chicken. He's San Diego's own, and he's with us tonight, Ted Giannullis. Ted, it's wonderful to see you. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fine. I'm very honored by this invitation. Thank you, guys. Ted, if, if Dave and I were to have met you 50 years ago today, you would have been going into the 1973-74 school year at San Diego State. What would If we talked to you and said, hey, Ted, what do you think your career path is? <laughs> when you headed into that year, I don't even know if you were a junior, sophomore, senior, what did you think the career path was for you as a young kid in San Diego? Yeah, I was a sophomore, and uh, my uh, goal was to be a sports writer. Really? I wanted to get into broadcasting or writing, and uh, that was my major at San Diego State, journalism. And boy, I, I was focused on it. I wanted to be a, a sports writer, and I read, I would read all the sports writers across the country. I would go to the San Diego Library and, and get and pull down the newspapers from all across the country and read columnists. And uh, that's what I wanted to do. And then uh, fate struck me uh, one, one afternoon at San Diego State. It's incredible how your life can change. Yes. Can you let people know what happened? Yes. It was the day before Easter break. I remember this vividly, Jeff. And uh, the campus was deserted, okay? Uh, Easter break, what is called spring break now. And uh, I figure, well, it's one th- about uh, just a little past one o'clock. What the heck am I going to do? I'm just going to walk home. Well, I got no plans. I'm going to detour and go to the campus radio station, KCR, where I was a backup DJ, along with, uh, they had 40 DJs, and I was just one of the scrubs that would fill in now and then. <laughs> and so I just decided to go and shoot the breeze. And there were, I walk in, and, and, and the uh, studio is no bigger than a, a garage, okay? And uh, there are four guys just shooting around, shooting the breeze, okay? They have nothing to do. So I walk in, I amble in, I go to the corner, say, hey, hey guys, I just uh, came to, you know, uh, relax, you know, before I have to uh, walk off. I'm there two minutes. There's a knock on the door. It's an open door. And it's a representative from KGB Radio. Guy's name is Bill Degasher, who was an intern at the time. And he stands at the doorway and he says, hey, um, I'm Bill Degasher. I, I used to uh, be I used to work here when I was at San Diego State a couple of years ago, uh, and we're looking for somebody for a one-week promotional gimmick. Anybody up for it? Oh, we all put up our hands. Are you crazy? A real radio station? <laughs> we're in. And he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. No one's going on the air, and uh, we're only paying two bucks an hour. <laughs> 
And there's no guarantee you're going to have more work when this is done. <laughs> we couldn't care less. Empty trash cans, do surveys, answering phones, uh, sweep the parking lot. We're in. So here were five eager faces with their hands up. And he cautions us. Now, wait a minute. You're going to have to wear a chicken suit. <laughs> <laughs> and so there was a momentary pause. Oh, and then... Five seconds later, okay, a chicken suit. We're all in. Everyone's got... <laughs> now, this guy's beside himself. He looks around the room. He can't believe it. Yeah. Okay? And then he sees me in the corner with my hand with my hand up. We finally lock eyes. The only time. He goes, you, the short guy, you'll fit the costume best of all. Okay? You're it. And he turns to the others and he says, hey, I'm, I'm sorry. But I, this guy's going to fit the costume. And he came over and he picked me, shook my hand, and he was gone in 90 seconds, just like that. Holy cow. No uh, no interview, no job application, uh, uh, nothing of the sort. He said to me, you know where the zoo is? Good. You come down, you start tomorrow, I have a, I have a, a bag of eggs for you, candy Easter eggs to pass out to the kids. And you do that, and then we'll send you to the wild animal park, and you're going to do it there too. And you're going to do this every day for the next week. It's a deal. I couldn't care that it was two bucks. Yeah. I just wanted to get my foot in the door at a real radio station. And off he went, uh, just like that. And, uh, and uh, that's, that was the 90 seconds that basically uh, changed my whole life. Didn't know it at the time. So when is the first time you saw the costume? Uh, the next day when I showed up uh, to get it at, at KGB. I, I had to go to the radio station. <laughs> they handed me the costume, paper mache. It was an ugly outfit. <laughs> It was difficult to wear, uh, thick. Uh, it, it was a very crude outfit, to say, uh, to, to say the least. But a job is a job. And my concern was not wearing a chicken suit, but was to show the executives, I'm going to put my best foot forward. I'm going to give them 1,001% to show that I want to stay here and work. And it wasn't about two bucks an hour. I would have paid them two bucks an hour. <laughs> It was about opportunity, and so um, and so I, I went off to the zoo, and uh, started giving away the uh, Easter eggs, and uh, just continued uh, on that on that course. It's such an amazing merger between you and what KGB needed, and you mentioned there's no interview, there's no resume. Yeah, <laughs> had you Ted, had you done any kind of theater? Had you come any kind of dance? Any kind of improv? Leading into that day. Jeff, only in um, high school and in elementary school. <laughs> oh and, and I try to be a ham at home, okay? And my mom says, boy, when I was younger, I really was a ham, okay? But um, I, uh, uh, that was the only time. Nothing formal uh, of the sort. But you know what I recognized? Putting on that second skin, um, uh, uh, an alter ego came out that yeah. I didn't discover, Okay. And uh, my premise was to get attention for the radio station. And so I was going to work my tail off. No, no pun intended. <laughs> but I was going to, uh, you know, bust my chops to, to do what had to be done to bring attention to this last place rock and roll radio station and see if I could impact what they were looking for. You know what's kind of interesting about this is that for me, I was such a shy kid growing up i was so shy i tell this story all the time and people can't believe it because i now i don't stop talking but i was so shy i wouldn't even answer the phone in my house and people always say why radio 
And I said, because it's my biggest fear. And I always said in my mind, I was doing what you were doing. Meaning I was like being in a costume that no one knew who, what I looked like. No one could see my mistakes and I could go. And every time I finished a show with Jeff over the years, for a long time, for years, it felt like I beat my biggest fear. And the interesting thing, Jeff, I don't even know if you noticed, but Jeff and I started off at KFMB. We're coming up on our 25th anniversary in a, in a couple of weeks. The street right before you enter into, into KFMB is opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And you use the word opportunity. And I used to look at that sign every time going, this is my opportunity. And then, you know, Jeff and I hit off. But I used to think in my mind, I want to be just like you, the person inside of a costume that nobody knows. And just let me let me do my act and try and impress the executives the exact same way. Your career ended up a lot better than mine. But at the same time, that was my thing was what would a mascot do? And so you put on a show. So let's get to when you introduced yourself at a Padre game, because right. we've all seen the clips. Well, my stint finished. It was it ran actually about 10 days. And then I saw Padres were having an opening day. Now, this was a special opening day. Ray Kroc had just purchased the Padres, saved them from moving to Washington, D.C. And the Padres were just absolutely the low-rung team in town, even behind the Aztecs. And Ray Kroc was coming in and says, we're changing everything. It's going to be fun coming to my ballpark. And you're going to see a fun team, and we're going to put a few bucks in. Had to town jazzed up and so i figured hey maybe i can get into opening night for free this way <laughs> i called up the padres they were very open to it say sure come on down just give us a plug on the radio we'll set aside a ticket for you i went down there in costume and i started cavorting around in the grandstand just acting like a fan just very very benignly just here and there <laughs> it was very off the wall and uh, fans took a liking to it but what the catalyst was the next day's paper. There was a small one sentence reference to me. Wow. Uh, that said uh, everything was different at the ballpark. It, things were electric. And there was even a red ragtag chicken that showed up. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the station executives went nuts. They said, holy smokes, we're getting attention. Ted, can you go back again? Sure. Okay, so after classes, I went right back to the Padre game, and I started going and going. And what it was, guys, we fell into it by mistake. We didn't know. It was accidental. But I may have been the very first case of what is called guerrilla marketing. Yeah. Taking your brand and putting it in an unorthodox location to get attention. And going to those Padre games, I was attracting more attention more attention from thousands of people than I did, obviously, standing at the gate, giving away candy Easter eggs to patrons as they were coming in. And the whole idea was to draw attention to the radio station. Uh, KFMB, who was doing the broadcasting at the time, they didn't care. They figured, okay, this is going to be short-lived. And besides, KGB is rock and roll. That's not our audience anyway. Couldn't yeah. care less. And so I, I cavorted around. Padres were happy. The media was having fun with it, but it was very benign. Yeah. Okay. But it just started growing from there. Is this still 74, Ted? 1974. Yes. And I, I would go every night uh, after my classes. Uh, still $2 an hour? Still 2 bucks an hour. <laughs> and Nothing's changed at KGB, trust yeah. me. <laughs> and they took out the taxes. Okay. Oh, so, my gosh. So I was probably pulling down about a buck 37 an hour, but it was academic to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was drawing attention for the radio station, and something mysteriously happened, you guys. 
the ratings started improving for KGB. There was no change in the format, no change of the personnel on the air, nothing whatsoever. The only addition was this guy in a chicken suit that suddenly was going around town, going to ball games and sports events, and we were doing our own um, crazy promotions off the side, to draw attention. And uh, the station uh, started running some cartoon commercial about a, about a chicken laying two eggs, okay? <laughs> and uh, it was drawing attention. Mysteriously, the ratings started climbing. Wow. Yeah, you know? and uh, I, I just kept on, and they, they didn't let me go like they said they would. Yeah. They just said, Ted, just keep doing what you're doing. No direction from them whatsoever. I would make... I, I would come up with ideas, and they said, do it. So your family knew it was you. Did you tell anyone it was you? Actually, my mother thought I was a doctor in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> That's my standing joke. Yeah. But actually, uh, my mom thought it was hysterical. My dad was really mad. He did not care for it. He was, both my parents were Greek immigrants and my dad was a workaholic and he wanted his son to do something proud, to be a doctor, an engineer, an architect, certainly not dressed up in a chicken suit. And he didn't want to face any of his friends. Now, in the early days, nobody knew it was Ted Giannoulis in the costume. It was just, there's the chicken, the KGB chicken. Yeah. And so uh, off I went. But it wasn't until several years later, you know, the, the word got out and um, and then my dad, uh, you know, was still embarrassed by it, oh. you know, and did not take to it. My mom, she thought it was hysterical. Your mom is such a big part of the story, and we'll definitely get to that. But at this point, have you upgraded from the paper mache suit to the famous one that we see as... In the holy roller clip, which is so funny, Ted. But have you upgraded or are you still in the paper mache at this point? Good observation. I was in that paper mache outfit for about 16 months. Wow. Yes. And then I got a better costume from a manufacturer, okay, from an out of, out of state manufacturer. <laughs> because this was a rental suit that we rented locally, <laughs> oh my okay? God. Uh, and uh, and so we we bought one from a, a out of out of state manufacturer, much more lightweight, mm. uh, and suddenly I could do all kinds of cartoonish things, and uh, I could goof around with reckless abandon. Yeah, and so I did aisle to aisle around Jack Murphy Stadium for all sports. And I would go to the hockey games and I would go to the Aztec games. And then, of course, the regular promotions that we were doing at KGB. I was really kind of, I hate to use the cliche, uh, the pun, but free as a bird. <laughs> that outfit, could I could turn the thing into a cartoon. It was so easy for me to wear. Yeah. And so uh, I brought in all these antics in the, in the grandstands. And they, they got a lot of laughs. And just to advance the story, it got to the point where about, uh, I'd say, uh, f- uh, sev- a, few, a year later, Ballard Smith, the pa- Padre president, asked me to jump from the grandstand, go out onto the field, and do some bits. Wow. He was that confident. He said, you're getting a lot of laughs we're getting a lot of great feedback, especially from season ticket holders. Go out on the field and try something, wow. which was unprecedented, unheard of. No, no. He says, we're clearing it out for you. Go. 
what you do, that's up to you. And that's a whole nother anecdote. But uh, after I did that, oh my gosh, the door just burst open like a gusher to do things. So when did you make the jump from being owned by KGB to you're the, you're the chicken? This is now your business. I was with KGB for five years. Tremendous success. It was a great folk hero in San Diego. In 1979, the station chose to fire me. Oh, boy. Yeah, they fired me. We came to loggerheads over my career growth, over actually who had ownership of the costume, and it went to court. It went all the way up to the California Supreme Court. You're 25, if I'm doing the math right? Yes. Yeah. Correct. And uh, the station chose to fire me. Just to backtrack a little bit, eight months previously, Ted Turner of the Atlanta Braves and of all the television properties tried to trade for me from the Padres. Wow. Yes. He offered a backup catcher to the, to the <laughs> Padres, and, they, and he told uh, the president of the team, Ballard Smith, at the, at the, winter, at the uh, uh, summer uh, owners' meetings, he said, uh, I want the chicken in return. Ballard <laughs> Smith had explained, he's not our guy. That's just a fan. He just comes to all, we don't even pay him. He just shows up. Every night. Unbelievable. And so uh, Ted Turner tried to hire me with a magnanimous offer that I had to turn down, hit front page news. And then about eight months after that, after that, uh, the station fired me when uh, they had the chance to buy the copyrights of this costume from the manufacturer, turned it down. They thought they owned them anyway. And after, after, when they wouldn't turn them down, they, they didn't care if other stations across the country had it and so i said that doesn't i think i should have it or we should have it for ourselves i went and bought them myself paid them out of my own pocket that's when they fired me and then filed a lawsuit to prevent me from branching out on my own but then i did branch out on my own uh and uh boy it, it just took off from there and they tried to stop me in court but they lost hey ted i'm fascinated by one part of that at that point, you're a 25-year-old kid. You talked about a couple of minutes ago. Your mom loved it from day one. Your father was resistant. At that point, seeing how you've grown, seeing how you believe in it, all these different things, what was your dad's approach at that stage of the story with everything going on? Had he started to come around at that point? No, he still didn't care for it because I was still being paid minimum wage. Mm. I was being paid minimum wage for four out of the five years I was with KGB, believe it or not. Unbelievable. Not once did they call me in and give me a raise. Wow. And, and not once uh, I did I have the nerve, you might say, or the courage to go in and ask for a raise, except late in, 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 um, in the fourth year. And that's when uh, Ted Turner made a $100,000 offer to me. And then KGB decided, maybe we shouldn't pay this guy minimum wage. Uh, maybe we got to maybe make an offer. And they made an offer not quite to the level of Ted Turner's, but I stayed, and I stayed because of the huge outpouring of emotion from San Diego fans. It was front page news above the fold back in the days when we had newspapers. It was a big deal. It, it made the national news. It was a lead item on the local news. It was a big deal. But, um, but my dad was still uh, resistant to it. Unfortunately, um, he passed away from cancer right before I had my grand hatching yeah. to make my, um, to make my uh, rebound on, on my own as oh, a wow. free agent chicken. But in the end, at the very end, 
he came around and he saw uh, what it was. He came out and saw me one time um, in, in his last days at a basketball game for the Clippers, of all things. And uh, he saw how re- audiences responded. And then when word got out, there he was with his uh, oxygen tanks and everything. And uh, my mom was talking, hey, that's my son out there, you know? Yeah. And then once the word got around, people started coming over and shaking his hand. And he could see up close how appreciative people were of what I was doing. And uh, he, he, it changed his tune uh, to see that. He didn't believe in it. And he was not a sports fan. He no sports whatsoever, and uh, he was just a workaholic, great carpenter, fabulous restaurateur. Um, but uh, here he, in San Diego, here in, in San Diego, and in Canada, where I was born. Oh wow! Yes, and he moved to San, he moved the whole family in San Diego when he came down here. Uh, by the way, to visit my godparents, and he came back in in the '60s, saying, "I have found Athens in North America. We are going." And so we applied for our green cards and then came down. That's how I settled here. So when you ended up after five years KGB and you're going, okay, what are my opportunities? What was the first thing you thought of? I mean, I imagine you're thinking there's money out there. If Ted Turner's looking for a hundred thousand, there's money out there. There's a way to make a living doing this and make a good living doing this. Well, a lot of teams were calling me up. And when I, once I got fired, I got offers from about six major league teams. Can you come here with us? We'll make a costume, whatever you want. Okay, um, the Mets called St. Louis, uh, the Mariners, uh, who else? Cincinnati, everybody. No. And I said, uh, no, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to tough it out. I'm going I'm to see this through. And I decided to come back as my own chicken uh, against uh, uh, against uh, court orders, in fact, uh, believe it or not. And uh, and I uh, had my grand hatching, sold out the Murph. Yep. Uh, Jack Murphy Stadium, uh, 47,000 people turned out. And that night kind of saved me, guys, just as a side story on that. Uh, the Padres, after I got fired, and I told the Padres, I'm coming back as my own bird. I couldn't call it a chicken at the time, but I'm coming back as my own bird. But it was pretty much uh, based on what I had uh, been known for. And I asked the Padres, how about something special on my first night back? And they kind of laughed it off said because they were going to pay me 300 bucks a game. And I said, okay, that's acceptable, but how about something special my first night back? And they laughed it off. Ted, what do you want? I said, just give me a buck and a half for everybody you might draw my first night back over your average crowd. (laughs) They said, you got it. Okay. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because the Padres were uh, uh, almost a last place team. That night, they were going to play Houston, tied for last place. And they told me, Hey, Ted, we're going up against the Del Mar Fair. No one comes out here, okay? Where you got? But you know what? If you're happy with that first night, we'll do that for you. Holy cow. 47,022 <laughs> people came out. I went in the next day, and Ray Kroc wrote me a check for four, more than $40,000. That is significant because all of that money and more went to a chicken defense fund that I was able to pay for attorneys. I couldn't do it otherwise. The, the people of San Diego saved my bacon, so to speak. <laughs> the amazing thing about that night is when we see the rehatching. I moved here in 81, and buddies of mine, quickly I became a Padre fan. I've been one ever since. 
But my buddies that I grew up with, it was all about you. We were kids and they were saying, did you see the chicken? Did you see everything? Right? And, and it was fun. But Ted, what we see in the rehatching, I think this is just from memory, but I think we see what's pretty close to the suit today, the change in the colors. It's so vibrant. Yeah. And when you look at the KGB, it's kind of sad. But is it true that your mom actually made those suits? Yes. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. She was a seamstress. Oh, wow. Yes. So she could make clothes. It really was a perfect storm for me, Jeff, because how could I tolerate all that heat? Well, as a kid growing up in Canada, I played goalie in hockey. So oh, wow. I, I was used to sweat. I was used to wearing 40 pounds of gear. No problem. And then when my mom saw the outfit, she said, you know, I can make the alterations that you want, but I can make that for you if you want. Taylor, make it. Okay. It's beautiful. Yeah. And so uh, that's how now she's passed away now. Now I've got, uh, you know, I've, I've found a firm that can make them for me otherwise. But, uh, yeah, she would have a, a, a hand in it. So um, And so I just was able to, to carry forth with uh, my chicken stick, so to did speak. You have, did you have an idea of the colors? Did you look at it? Because, Ted, it's such a difference. And when we see you, whether it's in an arena or at a ballpark or a stadium, we know immediately it's you. Did it, was it you as a 25-year-old, 27-year-old kid that said, hey, we got to be more vibrant. We got to be almost more neon. You know what, what I did, Jeff? I took all the San Diego colors and put them in the costume. Oh, wow. Okay. I, have, I had blue and yellow trim under my wing. That was a tribute to the uh, Chargers. Yeah. Orange, that at the time, uh, my, my orange bodysuit, that was a tribute to uh, the San Diego Gulls Hockey Club. Oh. Okay. Um, and... Uh, uh, let's see. The yellow, um, uh, the yellow was uh, where did I get the? Uh, oh, I, I mentioned the Chargers, yeah. but uh, what? But they, yeah, that was basically it. Uh, the, the pro teams uh, in town, and um, and I just uh, des decided to uh, incorporate these colors. And yeah, it was vibrant. The the suit I had at KGB was basically red. Yeah, you know, and and I ended up owning that suit. I, you know, the courts gave me that suit, but and and I wanted to go back to it, but everybody said, "Nah, you you made so, you made such an impression with this one. Just stay with it." You know, and so yeah. I did. All right, so today I was calling a bunch of the kids I grew up with because I was excited that you were coming in, and we always watched the baseball bunch together. Oh yeah, yeah. So this has to be around 1980 or so. And yep. so baseball bunch Saturday morning was everybody was watching the baseball bunch. You're a baseball fan. And that was everybody. How did you get called to be part of the baseball bunch? The original pilot did not have me in it. They, they shot it with Johnny bench and a bunch of kids up at Pepperdine university. And, uh, after looking at it, the producer uh, calls me up at home. He says, Ted, we just shot a pilot here for a show that we're trying, uh, with Johnny bench. And he says, uh, it's a little dry for the kids, okay? It's a Saturday morning show. Uh, can you come up uh, tomorrow? By happenstance, I had tomorrow open. We want to reshoot the whole show. We'll give you a script. You just improvise, and <laughs> let's go with it, okay? Yeah. I said, okay. I drove up, threw on the suit, went on to the set. They reshot the whole pilot, and then when they presented it, bingo, it's sold. That's it. <laughs> the baseball bunch it was johnny and the chicken and i was able to goof with everybody and uh, they loved it and the kids loved it and of course it it photographed very well on television and that was the magical elixir that sold the show ran for five years that show 
and it won three Emmy Awards, we're proud to say. And uh, I, I wish we could have done more, but uh, that was it. But we would call in a lot of superstars of the day who would agree to come in and be guest hosts with with Johnny and me on the show. And then we would talk about their their positions. Mike Schmidt at third base, Ozzie Smith at shortstop, Tom Seaver with pitching, you know, and uh, we had Pete Rose at uh, first base. Everybody accepted uh, our invitation. The only one that rejected it was Reggie Jackson because he wanted more money than the honorarium that they were offering, <laughs> believe it or not. But the sweetest side note on that, bless his heart, Andre Dawson came in and he was the only player that knew every line of the script. Okay. Really? Because he was getting very little love up in Montreal and mm -hmm. unknown. And he felt that this was a good opportunity for him to get better known in the States. And so he came in and he nailed his role completely. And he was great. All the guys really were, were great. You know, one of the things, Ted, that, that's fascinating is you make the immediate impact when you come in, and that's great. But but I have to believe there's a science to it, that you can't just come in and improv. If we go see Morgan Waller or Dave's favorite band, I tease him slightly, Stupids at Petco tonight, there's a set list. These guys know what they're going to do. Did you go into each night baseball? Did you know, did you have almost a set list for the bits? Everything I ever did at one time or another was spontaneous and improvisational. Incredible. If it got a good reaction, I would make it a permanent part of the repertoire. And then as I would do these uh, these bits, players would come up to me with ideas. Umpires came up. <laughs> uh, uh, peanut vendors, broadcasters, fans. I started getting ideas. If they sounded good, I said, great, I'm going to try it and make it a permanent part of the repertoire. When I hit the road, Jeff, then I said, well, I'm going to put my best foot forward. And I would cherry pick things that worked for me uh, imp improvising in San Diego. Lo and behold, I started producing a show. Then they would call me back for an encore uh, a, a month later or a, a year later. And I would come up with other gags and routines. And, and suddenly, when I started hitting the road, I did put together a repertoire, mm -hmm. like um, like a band has different albums. Yeah. Okay? And and that's how I approached it. So it got to the point, fellas, where I would go into a town, and we would sell out these crowds. And it was nuts. It was nuts. Major league, minor league, great crowds came out. And, and, and in the minor leagues, where it's really hard to sell a ticket because the fans don't know any of the players. But they know who the heck that chicken is, yeah, and yeah. they're going to laugh tonight. And so everybody came out. And so um, uh, I, would, I would try to give them a show that still had some improvisation, but they were going to get a lot of surefire laughs. So, Jeff, when I was a kid, I'd go to Nashville Sounds games at Greer Stadium, and it was such a big draw to have Ted come in. And they would literally forget the warning track for that game. They, it was standing room only. And not only did he fill up the stands, but they literally would take fans and they'd fill up the entire warning track just to watch the show. And we saw the Lonnie Anderson poster yeah. and the eye chart. And it was it was a big deal. It was it was a really big deal that when you came to town that the chickens actually in, in Nashville. It was yeah. a big deal. It was a, quite an honor. And it, it got to the point where, where, bless their hearts, the Nashville Sounds even brought me in for 4th of July games. They wanted to bring me in. Normally, they would bring me in like on a, a Sunday through Thursday. They didn't want me on the weekends. They did well on the weekends. But they wanted those weekdates to be yeah. boosted. Okay, yeah. 
and it's all, it was all about revenue. But, but the, uh, Nashville sounds that were run by a great entrepreneur. Um, he would tell me, he, he would say, Ted, you know, we have some of these free nights where we give away tickets and people come in and they, they, they come out. We, we get darn good crowds, but they don't buy anything at the concession stand. They, they try to shoestring it. You come in, they have to buy the ticket, and we have our best nights ever uh, at uh, selling food and beer and what have That's you. Great. And the conclusion was when people are having a good time, they just want to spend, and nothing stands in the way of it. And so that was a, that was a real compliment I felt. I love that. And Dave just said, I mean, there's such a repertoire of bits, but when Dave said the eye chart, Lonnie Anderson, right? Whether it's ball games, goals games, I remember, right? But but the one, I don't know, I'll ask you, the one that stands out the most was when you would bring the little chickens on the field. How did that come together? And and did that end up being one of the most popular, if not the most popular bit? The most popular bit ever. And that came about when a, a, a Padre vice president was driving home uh, and, and he stopped on the freeway because it was backed up. People are out, but there no people are out of their cars looking, gawking, but no one's mad. Everyone's laughing. What's mm. going on? It's a mother duck escorting her ducklings across the freeway, okay? <laughs> and everyone's having a good time. He calls me up when he gets home. He says, Ted, I don't know what you do, but you got to dress up some kids in baby chicken suits and bring them out there. Uh, what they do out there, that's up to you. But I'm telling you, from what I saw and saw the people's reaction, it's a, it's a winner. I did it, and I told these kids just copy everything I do that I we when we go out there. So I dressed up basically kindergartners. Yeah, and they would follow me in line formation. We spanked the catcher on the butt for good luck, put the voodoo on the visiting team for bad luck, and then we would pass by the home plate umpire and do what is charitably called the raised leg salute, <laughs> <laughs> like a dog going on yeah. a fire hydrant. Okay. And the audience has lost it. Yeah. And, and the kids just had a great time. And so it was um, uh, the, um, uh, the most favored um, uh, request. A quick side note on the eye chart. I told you players, umpires, managers, coaches would come up with ideas. That was an idea thought up by accident for me by Roger Craig, the Padre manager. Really? Here's the quick story. I'm in the clubhouse of the Padres get in the middle of a Padre game, getting a quick drink of water. In storms Roger Craig, a very docile, very quiet, happy guy. Okay, six foot four, two hundred thirty-five pounds, imposing pitcher when he played. He comes stomping in there. He's knocking over chairs. It's just the two of us. Teddy, did you see what went on out there? I said, oh, Roger, I'm sorry, I was just in here. He says that. So-and-so, uh, Pallone, the umpire, just threw me out. I've never been thrown out of a game in my entire life. Not little league, not minor leagues, not major leagues, never. And I go out and ask one question, and that so-and-so just threw me out. I said, Roger, I'm so sorry. I, I, I don't know what I can tell you. And he's throwing a few things around, and then I can see him. It's, there's silence. He stomps right into the trainer's room. And I had a direct view of sight right into the trainer's room. And he goes to the wall and he rips the eye chart off the wall. Oh. And he comes stomping out to me. Teddy, can you do me a favor? Will you take this thing and stick it in his face for me? And I said, sure, Roger. And I'm thinking to myself, comedy gold, comedy gold, comedy gold. I said, 
Roger, I, I will do this. Um, I'll see where I can fit it in. Now, I didn't do it that night. I let right. cooler heads prevail. But the next night, I took it out there and I dressed up in a lab coat and I had a <laughs> I had a black uh, I had a black um, uh, uh, little uh, valet with me, and I said I'm going to make this like a doctor's uh, examination. <laughs> yeah. And I went out there and I f- pulled out that eye chart, and the audience lost it. The dugout lost it. Even the umpires lost it. Okay, <laughs> they thought it was hysterical. I said, "There's a keeper." Wow. Have you ever been ejected from a game? Have you ever had an umpire get, get his feelings hurt and eject you? Not for real, um, uh, but for fun, yes, as planned. But uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it came close one time in the NBA when when an, uh, a referee named Earl Strom <laughs> yeah. threatened to throw me out of a game when I when I was goofing uh, with him. Just a, a little anecdote there. It's a timeout in the game, uh, and so I. I have uh, the telephone pretending like it's ringing over the sound system, and I pick it up, and I make it look sound like I'm pantomiming that, oh, it's an obscene caller. And by chance, Earl Strom is walking by me about 10 feet away, and I hold it out like, it's for you, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And he turns around, and he swears a blue streak at me, okay? You son of a bitch, I swear, I'll, I'll run you out of here, okay? Whoa, 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 I put the phone back, and I just got, got off the court, okay? So a year later, a year later, I'm in Omaha for an exhibition game in the NBA, and there's Earl Strom, and I said, oh, boy, this guy, uh, man, he hates me. And so um, uh, I'm, I'm cavorting out there, watching my distance from him, and as I'm leaving the court after one of my gags, he says to me under his breath, so you don't come by me anymore? And, and, he, and, and it was like uh, a very friendly tone. Huh? So after the game, you know, I don't go by him uh, for the rest of the game. Uh, after the game, I go I knock on his door in the dressing room. I said, Earl, um, I'm the same guy you yelled at me a year ago. Are you okay with this? Uh, you sounded kind of friendly out there. Just yeah. want to be sure. It wants to be sure. Why? why am I your friend now? And, and you, you weren't a year ago. He says, simple Giannoulis, your act has gotten better. <laughs> <laughs> and since then we became very good friends. Good. Had dinner and everything. That's incredible. The one thing, Ted, is I'm laughing because a week from tomorrow, I travel for work, going to the national sports show in Chicago. Yeah. Where uh, Ted was there, I think it's 2017. I yeah. have the picture on my phone. He came over, group picture with all of us at Upper Deck, which the, our team there still raves about. So thank you, because I hadn't been there very long. You were very nice to do that. But anybody who travels runs into something on the road. It could be luggage. It could be delays, anything. For you, when you're traveling with the suit and the eye chart and Lonnie and everything else going on, I got to figure the, the kids, what kind of... Uh, logistics did you go through to try to get from san diego to nashville and everywhere else in between yeah i believe it or not i i really got lucky you know uh, there were a few occasions um my uh, that i i almost missed um and and uh boy i'll tell you uh one one night i'm flying in for a minor league hockey game to uh, uh fort wayne indiana and there's fog and the plane has to land in cleveland at four in the afternoon, I call ahead, let them know that I'm on my way. There's a sold-out crowd, and uh, the crowds there knew me because, like Nashville, I would go in several times um, uh, over my career. And so they announced uh, as the crowd was assembling in, 
chicken had to land in Cleveland, but he's rented a car and he's on his way. <laughs> and, and he says, he'll be here when he gets here. And uh, everybody seemed to understand. And I, I made it there halfway through the game, quickly got dressed, yeah. jumped out there. Audience went nuts, okay? Standing ovation and luckily had a great show that night. Everything just clicked, just like clockwork. It was amazing, and, and, but did not miss the game. And I've never missed a game due to injury or illness. But um, there was a, another time uh, I, I went to Wichita for, again, another minor league game. And against my better judgment on this particular night, what are the odds? I sent my baggage underneath instead of carrying it on board like I usually do. Oh. And nothing made it except my head and tail. No way. And so uh, just to show the audience that I made it there, um, I went out after the first period in intermission with just my head on and a tail and a loincloth. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and the audience and, and to show the audience, I was here and kept my streak alive of still not missing a single game. And incidentally that made, uh, the CNN play of the day when they had sports and it also made ESPN and even the today show, Oh, the chicken streak is still alive. <laughs> and, uh, but I came back the next week, no charge, just to tell, uh, and, and, and the fans uh, were gracious. They were given a free ticket to return the following Friday that oh, I could make wonderful. up the date. So at your height, how many days a year are you on the road? 250 days easily wow. on, on the road. Oh, I missed every New Year's, 4th of July, Memorial Day, Labor Day, everything, Christmas. I was on the road, you know, uh, easily, uh, you know, and... Uh, and I loved it. I, I can't complain. Uh, I asked for it. I got it. And I enjoyed it. You know, one of the fascinating things, and and I don't know if people pay attention to it, but we used to see you at Gulls games all yeah. the time. But there, you had an assistant that was with you. And this guy, and I don't know how many have done it throughout the years. Man, Ted, they were incredible because they had the ability to slide in and make sure that you had the right item that you needed and dave they would get out of the way and you know that's a team player yeah and, and ted I, I don't know like the guys that you have because i would think when you go out and and the person you're working with is getting love and and applause to be the guy who sneaks out of the way just gets in make sure the bag is there for what you need then gets out boy that's pretty cool have yeah. you had a handful of people help you throughout yes. the years yes and and i'm proud to say this i'm proud of two of them actually went on to become multimillionaires, believe it or really? not. Really? Yes. And and they credit with what they learned from me. Love and, that. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, both those guys have passed away from oh. from illness. Hate to say it. But um, yeah. And uh, they they would credit me, you know, in, in newspaper articles or magazine articles. And they say, yeah, I learned a lot from Ted. Had you know, have. and I take that as a great, great compliment. Work ethic, Ted, I would think, right? Yeah, attitude? Yeah. Yes, yes, attitude. And you know why, Jeff? Because, because a lot of them, uh, it looks like a lot of fun on paper until you hit the road, and then you got to walk the walk. So, yeah, yeah when, when everyone else is, is uh, at the bar on Friday nights, you're working those 
those nights. Uh, when everyone's on a date on Saturday night, we're working those nights, right. you know, and then flying out the next morning. So you got to love being at the ballpark. And thankfully, most of the guys that I hired love being at the ballpark or the arena. And they shared in that with me. I want to go to one moment that Jeff kind of touched on, but it's such a famous moment. Jeff and I are, are Raider fans. Yeah. And <laughs> obviously the Holy Roller play, because obviously you don't know what's about to happen. No one knew what was about to happen. <laughs> but when the camera is on you and you're on your back and you're doing the dead legs. Rolling and, along the rail. Oh, it was, it, it, it honestly, my opinion, it was your best performance of all time. <laughs> Beautiful. It was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was great. And it fit exactly as far as Jeff and I have been fans, but. Explain what you saw, what was going, what you were doing before that, and how you ended up going into that. It's the last play of the game. This is a big game for the Chargers. They're in first place. Raiders are in second. Winner takes all after that, okay, for first place. Last play of the game. Raiders needed a touchdown. They're down by four. 14 seconds left. Stabler's about to get sacked. So he purposely fumbles the ball, and then it becomes a rugby scrum as the Raiders... Literally escort the ball, the fumbling ball, into the end zone one after another. When um, Dave Casper finally pounces on it, and the audience, uh, fifty thousand people at the Murph, I can't believe this. No, they're not going to count this. They, there was very little booing because we're looking around, going, "No, this is not going to count. This is not how the game ends." Okay, and so uh, everyone's beside themselves, and I figured I better start uh, mirroring what this crowd feels and start having a seizure with them. <laughs> and I'm rolling around like, oh, no, okay. And I'm writhing on the railing and passing out, okay? And uh, thankfully, NFL Films caught that. Yeah. You know, and uh, but the play stood, and uh, that lived in infamy, and uh, so as documentaries have been done on that uh on that play alone, that changed the rules of football. Yeah. By yeah. the way, that play alone, and uh, but I remember, you're in every recap, Ted, yeah, and it's yeah. perfect. <laughs> yeah. When you see that, yeah. And I remember, I remember when uh, NFL Films was doing a documentary on it. They 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 had uh, Don uh, Dan Fouts, and they said, you know. That play pretty damn near killed the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I remember being on camera and telling NFL Films, pretty near killed me then. Let me tell you, it pretty near killed, it's killing me now. I would, I would again, just uh, have a seizure right there, you know, at the on screen. But, uh, yeah, it was really, uh, really an incredible moment and, and helped put me on the map, uh, no doubt. But uh, the funny thing is, I just met Dave Casper a couple of years ago at a at a party in Chicago at a bar. Uh, we were cel- there celebrating Joe West's um, oh, uh, yeah. final year. Dave Casper and I finally met for the first time, and he says to me, "Teddy, you know what I, I really ticks me off about that uh, about that uh, afternoon? Everybody knows the the uh, that I made the the recovery. Everybody knows that you passed out, but." <laughs> Nobody remembers that I had over 100 yards receiving. <laughs> that was my best day as a receiver, which was a big deal back then yeah, for a tight end. Exactly. You know, Ted, I, I, I saw a clip today from Bill Hader from Saturday Night Live, and he was telling this story about uh, anxiety before going out on stage. And he was saying it was his fear. And he tells this great story how he runs into Jeff Bridges. And Jeff Bridges, the actor, says, man, that's your buddy. If you're not feeling that, the energy is not there. Like, you should be embracing that. And there's an adrenaline that we get when Dave and I do this and we hang out. And I'm just wondering for you, 
what is the energy like as it's countdown, right? Three minutes, five minutes, two minutes until going out there. As many places as you've been, when you're in that suit and it's go time, do you still get that energy? Do you still get that butterflies? What are you feeling before oh, you go out everybody there? Everybody tells me, like, I, I just uh, uh, step up into another zone. And that's because I tap into the energy of the audience. That's, that's not a cliche with me. That's for real. You got to think about this. Here, as irreverent and as goofy as it is, here's a guy showing up in a chicken suit <laughs> and thousands of people have taken time from their evening to come out, get in their cars, drive out, buy the tickets, and spend the time and you come out there and the uh, and the applause is deafening and they're standing and man you, it's an out of body experience you're not there anymore you're there for them okay and uh, and uh, you put out everything you can to squeeze every laugh you can out of the evening that's how i saw it and uh, the only time i really got butterflies for me um is when i have to go on television mm. because that's an uh, you know especially the talk shows like the carson show at the time the tonight show um it, that's a, an element that i'm not really used to and i hope i'm hitting my marks and all that sort of thing but a sports arena a, 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 any sports venue that's my wheelhouse and i know those people because i'm one of them and I'm going out there to share laughs with them, okay, and make them all laugh as much as I can. So it's a, it's an energy rush that uh, overcomes me. You know, I'm glad you said that because Jeff and I used to always tell stories about when we were kids. And if someone in our family said, you're going to a game this day, and they put the tickets on the refrigerator, and you would mm. look, kind of look at the calendar and look forward to it. And then when we knew we had, you know, someone would tell you, we're going to go see the chicken. And the tickets went up on the refrigerator. It was it was a big deal. I mean, we knew we were going to see whoever was on the baseball field, but the fact that you looked at it, you were entertaining an audience, and also for the fact that people might only see you one time in their lives. You know, that's one of the things we complain about as sports fans: this whole load management thing. And for you to bring it a hundred percent every single time, and knowing your mind, I have to put on a show was 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 big. And you, know, you went from that to starting for everyone else i mean you philly fanatic doesn't exist if it's not for you the gorilla in phoenix doesn't exist you name it all the way they don't travel sports. either he's the guy yeah, he, ted's the guy he that does he, that. he's the he's the rock band that travels yeah. sliding scale yeah. ted true sliding scale which i thought was incredible as popular as you've always been the rumor was and you could correct me if it's wrong and nobody's going to complain but i believe the story has been that you could demand any amount but if you were going to a class A ball game because you were aware of the situation and you wanted to do what you did for the fans, it was a different fee than what it was for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's incredible. No, I tailored it. I, I tailored it. Uh, yes. And and you know how uh, I, 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 you're not going to believe this, Jeff, but I used to do these games, minor league and major league, free of charge. It was the general managers who finally came to me and said, Ted, it's okay to charge. You are entitled to charge. Uh, well, just work with us. Okay. I said, great. And, and so um, I try to scale it for uh, whatever the venue was, you know? So yeah, if you're going to Dodger stadium and they got 50,000 seats, they can uh, handle an extra zero on <laughs> yeah. the check, you know? But if you're going say to um, El Paso, Texas, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a smaller ballpark. Sure. That's incredible. But, but the fan energy is just the same. And, and I loved it. I wanted to be there. Dave, what I love is I read a thing and you just kind of alluded to it with Dave Casper and I, I would have forgotten. So I'm so glad you mentioned it. 
Cowboy Joe West had a reputation around baseball as kind of being this ornery guy. But I understand, tell me if this is true, that for his final game, he wanted you there. Yes, good point. Yes, he told the White Sox, I want the San Diego chicken here. Okay, so let's get him here. Okay, <laughs> How cool is uh, that? And when the game became official in the fifth inning, his record-breaking game, uh, I went out there and did a bit with him, okay, to solidify it. And he was wonderful to ask me to uh, to do that. And uh, I've always said, you know, um, he has the, he holds the record for most games um, ever of, uh, umpired in Major League Baseball. And just as a side note, I, I I've suggested that his, his that record breaking game uniform should be in the Hall of Fame, and the last game of his career should be in the Smithsonian Institute. Okay, because when you think about it, that man has officiated more sports events than any other person in the history of the planet. You think about that. Mm. Not football, soccer, basketball, hockey, any sport, even baseball. And those are games that count in the standings. We're not even talking about minor league. We're not even talking about spring training. We're not even talking about amateur. And so... um, I've always thought that, uh, and I've told him this that uh, you know he, you know he's a he's a guy who's who's officiated all these games, and his suit should be in the Smithsonian. But how wonderful! And he's a guy, one of those guys who who's come up with ideas for me, you know, to try out there, and yeah. they worked, you know. So God bless these guys and their sense of humor, you know. I love it. Do you um do you have a favorite memory like or or I shouldn't say it like that? Do you have a moment where you say that was a big mm-hmm. deal? Like you, you mentioned the Tonight Show for a brief second, and back in the day there was nothing bigger than Johnny Carson. Is there a moment for you where you go, wow, that was big? For when me, you knew you made it. Yeah, you know I've been to the White House for the first T ball game, and and that was quite an honor getting invited out there, and the the world's press is out there, and 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 it was on the front page above the fold picture of me in the New York Times right next to the Pope and uh, (laughs) yeah and but I'll tell you the most uh, enduring memory forever the watershed moment was the grand hatching Jack Murphy Stadium can't forget it those people coming out and it was a big deal and the and a a lot of the national press was out here to to document it and uh, that was it I have to say it was a hometown uh, a, a hometown moment was our friend Andy Strasberg part of that? Yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's the guy that actually thought of bringing the egg out, the styrofoam <laughs> 10-foot egg, bringing it out in an armored truck with California Highway He's Patrol brilliant. Escort. He's yes. absolutely brilliant. Because what a lot of people don't remember is that my egg, which was on display in the grandstands, in the bleachers at Jack Murphy Stadium, was stolen the night before by some pranksters. Oh, no. And and I had to negotiate to get it back, and I negotiated through KFMB, a guy named Gene Cubison, yeah. who was the reporter. We know Gene. He was yeah the go-between he was the broker who uh, uh, who made the deal with the pranksters who stole the egg and, and they got drunk at the padre game the night the, the afternoon before and decided to hide out in the stadium and steal the egg and take it uh, to their neighborhood for their kids uh, to have as a playhouse and then they saw it was like a felony to steal such a thing so they reached out to channel eight the gene and and <laughs> negotiated it the uh, 
uh, uh, uh, we negotiated a ransom to get uh, it back. We love Gene. Dave and I, we said it. We've been lucky enough to do this. And when we found out Gene listened, we were like, this is the dumbest show ever, Gene. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're such a nice guy. So I love hearing that. Ted, just a couple of things because we've kept you. And this has been just, I can't thank you enough for the generosity of your time. But when you talk about Joe West suits, your suit should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame or the Smithsonian. Have you been approached by either one of them? Actually, it's I, I'm not inducted in the Hall of Fame, but they've had a long-standing uh, display of my costume stuffed and mounted oh, in wonderful. the Hall of Fame. It's under glass. Everybody sees it. I've gotten so many... F- uh, pieces of fan mail from people. People have posed for pictures and asked me to autograph it. You know, but as a contributor, is there yes. been? A- oh, you know, I've never. There have been a few people, uh, a few columnists that have uh, broached that idea. But you know, uh, you know, I've always, you know, it's it's nice. I, but the Hall of Fame is mostly about statistics, not lore. Mm. You know. And I'm okay with that because let me tell you, fellas, when it, when uh, there was uh, some columnists who openly lobbied for it, and I said, it doesn't matter to me. And let me tell you this, and I mean this sincerely. Plaques are nice. Plaudits are better. Mm. And by plaudits, I mean I am in the Hall of Fame of people's hearts. Mm. When I see people respond the way they do to me, you know, it'd be nice to say, oh, that plaque, that's, oh, there's me. But I'd rather live in people's hearts the way I have been, luckily. And I really, it really matters to me. And you guys, I haven't even scratched the surface of stories I could tell you of how, what it's meant to people. Happy and sad, you know, uh, how it's, 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 it's uplifted them. You know, I'll tell you, for, just for me, someone who's a, been a baseball fan since uh, the, as long as I can remember, you can have both. And I th- honestly, I'm with Jeff on that. There's no reason why you shouldn't be in Cooperstown. You've you've changed sports. I mean, not just baseball, but you've changed sports. All these mascots exist, and no one's done it as good as you. And you're the reasoning with so many other people even have jobs that do this kind of move. I, I, to me, as Jeff says, as a contributor, without a doubt, you should be in Cooperstown. Dave, you make a very good point to say so myself in that respect. Um, because it did change the idea of how games could be marketed. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I brought a, a sense of fun. You know, I just wanted to remind people that all of this is just a game and they're playing another one tomorrow. And uh, and uh, it, it's it's amazing how people retain those fun memories, carrying them with them for decades and decades. And uh, I, I have to say, but it did change the outlook of how sports could be marketed. For example, these mascots now, good or bad, they represent as ambassadors for the teams. And they could step in where players don't want to do certain things, appear in parades, go to shopping malls and sign autographs, yeah. pose for pictures. You know, uh, so suddenly you have an ambassador on the team and a lot of major league teams called on me to to help them uh, to guide them through like philadelphia did like seattle did you know and uh, and and help them with their their mascot situation i got i got two more for you so we'll split these up and and quick but I was in Toronto. I traveled to Toronto mm. a lot. And I was with the young man who plays Carlton, the Maple Leafs mascot. Mm-hmm. Wonderful guys, probably 24 years old. And what impressed me, Ted, was we were at an event with the, with the group, uh, Tim Hortons, big group up there. Mm-hmm. And Carlton came out and there's all these kids that are there. And he's, he's wonderful when he's in outfit, the whole deal. But what impressed me even more 
is when he came back out and he's out of costume, but there were kids that kind of had an inkling that he may be Carlton. He handled it so beautifully and they said, oh, are you Carlton? And he said, oh, no, I, I work with Carlton. He's my best friend. <laughs> and he said, uh, he went home and he said, even though he's my best friend, he makes me carry everything. So all the kids would laugh, you know, and he played it so beautifully. <laughs> and it was almost like a Santa Claus. And he was going to do everything in his power to protect the myth and protect those kids. And I loved it for you through the years. You've stayed anonymous. Dave Raymond was on HBO and he was out of costume, yet you have no ego. But how much is that protecting the the dream, right, for kids of all ages to kind of stay? You're not photographed often. I, I told you we were going to protect that tonight so that you could just blend in in the crowd in San Diego. But has that been something that was near and dear to you? Yes, yeah, because I, I decided as it was uh, getting legs when I started out, uh, it it would be if I came forward, it would be like seeing Santa Claus without his beard, and I didn't want Ted to usurp the attention the chicken could get. That's incredible, and I wanted all the attention to be focused on them. So they want me on talk shows. Great, I'll go on in character, you know. And I would do. I they I get invited to do speeches. Great, I do them in character. Yeah, you know. Oh yes, yes, giving speeches and everything, and um, and everybody was telling me, you know, actually, it's more colorful to see you in co in character like that. You know, giving us a, a speech, and so yeah, okay. And uh, but I, I wanted it to be like uh, it, 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 you don't have to see Ted, okay? It's it's not important to me, you know. <laughs> and and so and so I just try to to, to keep uh, the, the the fun the fun going i'll give you a quick side uh, sure. story uh, a few years ago after a padre game a sold out crowd um it's i gotta be an hour after the game and i'm wheeling all my gear out these are anvil cases uh with my assistants and and i'm, I'm wheeling these uh, yellow anvil cases like musicians ted i'm trying right. to give people like exactly. a yeah visual okay yeah. Uh, with my gear in it my props my costume all that sort of thing and uh, and it'll, keep in mind, most of the traffic has flowed out uh, of the parking lot. And uh, I'm wheeling this. 50 yards away, there's a SUV as it's in line to get out. It stops. And this little kid, a little Hispanic kid, got to be about nine years old, comes running out like crazy. And he says, are you the chicken? Are you the chicken? Oh. And I said, holy smokes. What? He says, uh... I go, I, yeah, I am. I, you, you picked it out. And he calls to his family, it's him, it's him. Uh -huh. He starts jumping up and down. They all come out. They all pull over. They're going crazy. How the heck <laughs> did you pick that out? Well, your suitcases are all yellow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a smart kid. Ted, two, two quick questions and we'll, we'll let you go. Sorry. Yeah, you mentioned as far as helping the mascot out in Seattle. And when I look at these mascots, I'm like, man, that, that seems kind of dangerous. There was an incident in Seattle where the Moose member broke his ankle. Yeah. And so my question is, have you ever suffered an injury while you were 
the San Diego check-in. Yes, yes, I did. Um, there have been a few occasions. Once in St. Louis at, at a Blues game, dancing down the aisles of the old St. Louis arena. Those steps were irregular, not to code, but it was an older <laughs> arena. And the organist is playing Zorba the Greek, and I'm dancing down there. <laughs> and I miss a step, oh, no. and I go tumbling all the way oh, down no. to the glass. Oh, I must have been about 15, 20 steps Fans are laughing. They think it's all part of the shtick, right? Oh, nice. But I broke my foot. Oh, no. Okay. Didn't know it. The pain uh, was quite intense, but show must go on. And and a, a few days later, I had it looked at. It's busted foot. and But I never missed a game. I still went to my, uh, my appearances, uh, even with a cast on. And then another time, I'm in Atlanta and I uh, for the Braves. And the, I have the grounds crew uh, guy and his little gator truck drive me out on the bed. And I told him, just make a sharp, uh, uh, make a sharp donut turn and I will go flying out like you've dumped me behind home plate. <laughs> and he does that. And I go flying out and I land on my shoulder and I bust my shoulder oh, blade. No. But the show went on. Oh, it was painful. I, mean, I still remember it was David Justice's first game, by the way, uh, wow. okay, that night. And uh, the show was going, I went on with it, and Skip Carey uh, said uh, something very significant. He says, you know, he turns to his sidekick, he says, do you get a sense that the chicken's left wing is not <laughs> moving as freely as his right wing? Do you get I said, he picked it out cold just like yeah, that. Wow. Yes. All uh, right, so sorry, my, my last question. Yeah. Have you ever met Lonnie Anderson? You've always picked the Lonnie Anderson poster. <laughs> no, uh, never. Uh, no, actually, no, I never met her. No, I got to say I never met her. I've met quite a few starlets, but uh, not Lonnie, uh, you know, from back in the day. But, uh, yeah, you know, and I've used uh, various pinup posters to try and distract the pitcher. And and I, I, I got to tell you, a lot of those pitchers like roger clements would ask me to sign those posters to them great. afterwards you know so it was it was great you know all right we'll finish with these two. First one you talked about that what about weather like because uh, they were talking uh mark grant was talking on the padre games about going to old philly stadium at, at the vet and it would be hot the heat yeah. ballpark you were saying because you come from canada you played goalie but inside the actual suit ted how warm does it get? I'm, I'm assuming it's not a NASA suit where you've got cooling in there, everything else. Devin, is it all basically, when you talked about coming down the steps too, is it all basically one piece so the head doesn't go anywhere? No, no, it's, uh, there are various pieces, nine different pieces all Oh my gosh, okay. Yeah, but it's a low-tech chicken suit. So there's no cooling, no, uh, no cold packs, nothing, no fan inside. I just tough it out. You know, and I've been to the Kansas City Royals games when they used to have AstroTurf. Yeah. And, I, and, and the players would burn. They would come in from the field, literally put their cleats with their feet in them in ice, in ice trays, you know, to, to cool off. But I toughed it out, you know, and uh, I never let the elements try to defeat me. You know, it, it defeated quite a few, quite, especially those day games. They would defeat a lot of fans. They, they would pass out. But I never let it get to me. And uh, I just try to be strong about it. And, and then I, we'll, we'll end how we started, which is coming up in March, it'll be an amazing 50-year run. We said it. You're the guy... The Philly Fanatic, they mentioned the Gorilla or Carlton. These guys, they're all great, but they're all localized. You're the one guy that not only 
I'm assuming there's probably been various gorillas. Dave Raymond said yeah. there's been fanatics. Yeah. There's only one famous chicken, and he's here with us tonight. As you look ahead at the 50th anniversary, you have no ego, but I'm just wondering, do you have something in your mind that you look at to celebrate that, the legacy, to go one more time out on the road? No, you know, I I, I doubt, I, I know I haven't. No, I really haven't. I don't know if something might materialize organically, but right now, I, I just assume, uh, I'm assuming that it's just going to pass quietly, you know, but a lot of people are saying, yeah, you can't let it. You can't let that happen. You, you know? still got shows in you. Yeah, you yeah. look great. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks. But uh, the heart is willing. The bones are saying, not so fast, buddy. <laughs> you know. So we'll see. You know, if I make any appearances, there'll probably be cameo appearances where I can make a couple of innings here and there, and uh, maybe you know. But again, I I I'll have to reassemble uh, some staff again and uh, and see if they're up for hitting the road. We'll see. But. Right now, I have nothing planned. You know, I'm, I'm rehabbing still from my hip replacement surgery. We, I, I was going to let you say that. I didn't want to out, but he's moving great. And, and Ted, I can't thank you enough. It's just Dave and I said it. To have you here at this time for us as everything that's coming on, it's absolutely true. There were so many people, Dave, Dave and I at the front of that list, just so excited to have the opportunity to share these stories with our audience you're just an absolute treasure. I hope you know, not only does the world love you, but how much our city loves you. You know, because you grew up here. I grew up here. We have a little bit of a Napoleon complex in this city towards others. And we, we hold those that are ours very close to our heart. And nobody defines that more than you. So thank you so much for everything that you've done for this city. And thank you for coming down and being a part of this tonight. It was an absolute pleasure. Well, I really appreciate the kind thoughts and the interest. Yeah, that I I, I always I do pinch myself. Yes, uh, you know when you look at it on paper, what a it 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 is a pretty goofy idea. Are you in contact with any of the guys that were in that room? When they picked you? Yeah, I've seen them when we've gotten together for reunions at KCR. <laughs> yes. And they said, even the guy who picked me, yeah. uh, Bill Degasher, uh, he, he's told me over the years how many people have come to him. And he said, they've, they've told him, that could have been you. <laughs> and he says, no. He says, no, that couldn't have been me because I can't do that. They got the right sauce. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it was a perfect storm, and 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 uh, I'm I'm thankful for it, and and uh, yeah, I I I can't uh, define it any better. It was it's been an enjoyable ride, and if nothing was to happen uh, next year or ever again, believe me, I've had more laughs and I've had more enrichment in my life seeing the responses of people and knowing that I've brought them a laugh or a, a chuckle or a smile or a happy memory, boy that that's you can't ask for anything more uh for you know uh, in, in humankind you really can't ted thank you so much it's awesome thank you thank you dave thanks Jeff. you're the greatest buddy continued success all right thank you so there you go that was awesome having ted in here and telling stories you know one thing we just realized right now i don't know about you but we always talk about every year how the padres are looking for people to put in their hall of fame how is he not in the padre hall of fame absolutely should be there it's a no-brainer Get him in. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Sometimes sometimes very smart people do very dumb things. And <laughs> sorry, man. It's just he he talked about it. He, yeah. It's coming up. Maybe it's next year though, Dave, for the fiftieth anniversary. That would be he cool. really should be the class of twenty four and be in that. 
He's just such an amazing, wonderful guy. Like, he's everything you want him to be, right? Yeah, and he's San Diego's own. He's our guy, man. Really all, incredible. All the way to the core, yeah. Hey, Jeff, want to mention uh, our sponsors real quick before we get out of here. We won't do birthdays or, or uh, the five questions. We'll knock that out on Tuesday's show. But we'll start off with Kyle Pfluger. Again, we told you Kyle's branched out on his own. Mithril Media, right now, mithralmedia.io. Call Kyle right now if you want a 10% discount off his services for new customers. All you have to do is tell him Dave and Jeff sent you. Kyle's number 619-500-6621. 619-500-6621. Some of the things Kyle can do for you, it's the design and d- development of your page, management and maintenance, media and marketing, con- content and creative. Go to our website, DaveAndJeffShow.com. He built it. You can see what he did for us, what he did for Cali Barbecue, Corner Draft House, West Coast Barbecue, just to name a few. Again, it's MithralMedia.io, and Kyle Fluger does it better than anybody we know. And don't forget about Bright Bail Bonds. Again, if you're uh, one of those people that finds yourself in trouble or a friend that finds themselves in trouble, Bright Bail Bonds, Fabian and Miguel can take care of you. 888-669-0295, 888-669-0295. All right, I waited the entire hour and a half with the chicken for Dave to say something dumb. He didn't say anything during the interview, dumb, and then he waited till it was over. To say the dumbest thing ever, as Ted is leaving, kind of hot out, humid out, and uh, we said to him, hey, do you need a, a fresh bottle of water? Ted said, oh, I have one here. And Dave said, well, I can give you a beer. I said, we don't give a beer to the chicken. <laughs> what he's driving? Trying to set up right bail bonds. Yeah, can you imagine? A chicken. <laughs> we did it. The chicken, kind of like the guy who asked me to murder somebody in San Francisco. <laughs> Chicken's been around for 50 years because he makes good decisions. You should do the same. But if you know somebody who doesn't, have them give Fabian and Miguel a call. That number is 888-669-0295. You ever see a chicken drink beer? <laughs> Brightbailbonds.com is the website. As Dave said, more than 30 years, 25,000 bonds ranging from 500 to 3 million. Number again, 888 888- Six six nine zero two nine five. Also, don't forget about Dan Williams. Dan Williams is working with a good friend, Brian Curry. Right now, he's encouraged you not only to get approved, but to get pre-qualified. Make sure you talk to Dan Williams. When it comes to getting ready to purchase that home, 858-688-6813, 858-688-6813. 10 short but helpful videos. It's the Calm series. You can find them on our website. All 10 of them are there. It's the kind of knowledge you need to help save money and live a happier life. Mission is simple, more money, less worry, and greater joy. It starts with those videos. Then you can email Dan, daniel at sandiegolending.us. His number is Dave mentioned, 858-688-6813. Brian Curry, nobody knows uh, real estate like Brian Curry does. Look, if you're interested in selling your home, no one will get you more for it than Brian. At the same time, no one knows the county better than Brian Curry, 8619 8619- Two five one one five eight eight six one nine two five one one five eight eight. If you check out his website at BrianCurryRealEstate.com, some beautiful homes in a variety of neighborhoods. Cool listing: Bush Street and Oceanside, three bedroom, two bath. It's just eight hundred twenty five thousand. But maybe you're looking at La Jolla, beautiful property. Just went on the market, thirty four hundred square feet. Amazing house. You have to see it to believe it. But he also has homes in El Cajon, Santee, Carlsbad, Escondido, Encinitas, just to name a few. Brian Curry Real Estate.com is the website. Phone number is 
251-1588. And finally, like the weather we've had today and the Oof. weather we're going to have all the way through October, you should be thinking about that brand new pool. If you already have a pool, uh, guess what? Alan Taylor can help you out as well. Fix that, get work in order. But again, Taylor made pools. No one does them like Alan. Ask about available financing. 619-449-4452. 619-449-4452. Told you we got a couple of testimonials. This is from Steve. We actually got quotes from sev- several other contractors before having the work done. And while Alan's bid wasn't the cheapest, the high-quality materials he used made up for the small difference in price. That, I'm telling you, five years from now, 20 years from now, Steve, you're definitely going to notice the difference. You made the right decision. The phone number to call again is 619-449-4452. 619-449-4452. You can find all the websites, phone numbers at our page, DaveAndJeffShow.com. I am proud to say I didn't answer or ask one question that you people sent to me and asked me to ask Ted. Questions like, do you eat chicken nuggets? What do you get at Chick-fil-A? What do you We're get not asking that. that. <laughs> Here's the most absurd one. Ask me if he's ever gotten laid in that costume. I'm not asking not Ted that question. That. Too nice of a guy. Yeah, he got hatched. <laughs> I can't ask about getting chicken laid. Jesus, uh, was that guy as cool as it gets? Much better than I expected. How quickly does he either find a column in the Union Tribune or show up on terrestrial radio? Uh, Within yeah. three days? <laughs> Within three days, that's right. Uh, all right, when we come back on Tuesday, we have yeah. a lot of Padres stuff to go over, a we'll lot. Go, we'll go through all of that. It'll be the first night in Toronto. and uh, But the good thing is, Dave, all can decide, Next year is his 50th anniversary. Yep. And uh, he just, he shared some stuff kind of off the air. And I just asked him, I said, would you be willing to come back when we've actually turned the page and it's year 50? And he said, he'll come back. And uh, God, that was great. That was an absolute blast. Our thanks to Ted Giannolos for for coming down and spending so much time. Uh, We hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. Absolutely. All right. We'll see you guys on Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.
That guy with the attitude, he better go away. A five-cent video game put a smile on my face. That stop sign was paralyzed, but I ran it anyway. Soundproof fence and a handyman cussing on TV. A Californian cussed their own Christmas tree. Boy, you better watch out for that sneaky back screen door. I laughed so hard.